Welcome to Parents on Pictures podcast. I'm Damien. I'm Andy. I'm Sam. And what we do each and every episode is we take a film from a popular streaming platform like Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, and YouTube. And once we've seen that film, we come in here and we chat about it. Now, this episode, we are covering 2020's Netflix original, The Old Guard, which was my choice. So I'm just going to go through a little plot summary here. Um, a covert team of immortal, immortal mercenaries led by a lady called Andy are suddenly exposed and must now fight to keep their identity a secret just as an unexpected new member is discovered. Um, so that is essentially the plot in a nutshell. And I think it's worth saying at this stage that it is based on a comic book or... It's a comic book, wasn't it, originally? It was a comic book, and it's written by the same guy who wrote the comic book. He wrote the screenplay, which is quite cool. That's pretty flippant awesome. Yeah. Now, this is uh, pretty popular on Netflix at the moment, I would imagine, obviously, due to the cast. So I think, actually, given the sort of preamble that we were, we were just chatting about before we came in here, before we go into like the meat, you know, the action and all that jazz, what do we think about this cast? Because it's led by, you know, a Hollywood superstar. Mm -hmm. But for me, a lot of these other members were largely unknown. Absolutely. I think it was really refreshing to have that. Um, if I'm honest, I think uh, Charlize Theron was the weakest of the cast members. And I'm sure you will disagree with me in that sense. But I thought the cast were, were brilliant in terms of their performances. Where no one's going to win an Oscar for their acting in this. But for the genre, it was perfect. Yeah, I, I I would agree as well. I think I I think Charlie Storm is very much she's playing to type with the um sort of the badass female lead, um that is kind of her bread and butter. Whether she was just kind of just phoning it in a bit, I'm, I'm not really sure. I felt like it was fairly um, uh, acceptable for me, but I would agree. I, I especially I thought that there were some you know not you don't need to engage brain too much. Um, I felt that there were some some really some actually quite good performances, especially from the the core kind of cast of kind of immortal warriors. I, I thought in particular, and maybe I don't know if it was a scene that stuck out for you guys was the um, the scene between the two characters, Joe and Nikki, um, when they are bundled into the back of a van, and then there's this conversation be uh, between them about the the romance and the, and the, the between them, and um, and I felt like I was like that's really good actually um normally these films kind of mess up these sort of especially sort of like same-sex relationships and things like that in an, in an action movie you'd normally say oh, this has been tacked on just to kind of i don't know appeal to a certain uh, um, audience or, or appear a certain way kind of to show their privilege and i thought actually that was that was a brilliant performance particularly from I want to say uh, Marwan Zen uh, Kenzari, I think, is the, the actor in question. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if that was the scene that stuck out to you guys as well. Do you know, that for me uh, was fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Because like you said a minute ago, that these sorts of things are typically, if they do come up, they're shoehorned in to make a point. Didn't feel like that at all. And it, it was really refreshing because I, I've, I've worked in schools for 10 years and I often hear young people, well, not so much anymore, but I used to, and I'm sure if you remember from school, people would use the word gay as a derogatory term. Mm. And I always say, if someone says that, I say to these kids, you know, I can't wait for the day when people don't have to come out to people. I can't wait for the day where sexuality is just, some people say, I'm gay and you go, yeah, so, like, it's just, I don't care. It's got nothing to do with me. And I can't wait for that. And this film was, it was almost as if we were living in that world whilst watching this film, because it was, it was insignificant. It was just beautiful. It was great. I couldn't agree more. I, that, that scene itself did stand out to me. And um, I've, I've got the quote here, and forgive me, I'm going to read it. So they're in the back of the van, as you said, and a soldier turns and says, what is he, your boyfriend? And Joe, the character, says, I... I Flipping love this little speech that he gives. Is it you're a child? 
Yeah, he says, you're a child, an infant. Your mocking is thus infantile. He's not my boyfriend. This man is more to me than you can dream. He's the moon when I'm lost in the darkness and warmth when I shiver in cold. And his kiss still thrills me even after a millennia. His heart overflows with the kindness of which this world is not worth of. I love this man beyond measure and reason. He's not my boyfriend. Uh, he's all and he's more. I mean, that's an amazing quote from a film and especially this genre because again to go back to what you've both essentially been saying if we see um these types of relationships if we see them at all in other superhero films because let's face it that is what this is it's based on a comic book they're you know they're immortals they are superheroes um it's either they they skirt around the issue i'm looking at you marvel or they have to explain outside of the film in a press junkie, yes, these characters are, are gay. It's like, why not just put that on the screen? And I, I, I get that in, in certain regions that these massive films are attempting to, to break into would either censor or totally disallow the film from being watched. But at the same time, have some balls. Um, and, and this film was absolutely brilliant in the way that it did it. And what I really liked was that that wasn't the only instance that this relationship was being shown on screen. It's like they're always together and they're interacting as you would expect any other couple to interact, be they homosexual or not. And I thought it was brilliant. And yeah, it's, it's I love what you said by, wouldn't it be amazing if we lived in a society where people didn't have to come out because it's completely normal. It's like saying I'm gay would be just as, as, as silly to a thing to announce as saying I'm straight. Nobody yeah. cares. And that would be amazing. Exactly. You know, you, we don't, as three heterosexual men, we don't go around telling people what our sexuality is because society doesn't require us to do so. <laughs> Yeah. Right? Mm. Absolutely. And it's weird. Um, and you said that it's not the only point in the film. There's another moment where I really love that, where um, uh, one of the, I can't remember their names, but one of the chaps gets shot in the head and obviously he comes back to life. And then the guy who, he, his boyfriend or not boyfriend, lover, partner, <laughs> companion, whatever he wants to be called, um, basically tombstones him, like probably <laughs> tombstones him into the floor and breaks his neck and says, that's for, uh, you shouldn't have shot him in the head or something like that. It was just yeah. a fabulous moment. I was just like, yeah, you go. <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant. Um, and Another one, of the, another one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about this particular cast is because in, in 2020, I th personally, I think that this, whoever did the casting or, or what have you, got it right. It's yeah. like the, the, the cultural representation of all the different faces and, and people that you have on screen is awesome. I mean, it's a superhero movie that doesn't shy away from its gay characters and has essentially two female leads. Yeah with uh, Charlie Saron and uh, Kiki Lane playing the two main characters, Andy and Niall. I mean, this film has got so much going for it in terms of representation and, and being a proper modern film, if there the, is such a thing. The beauty of that and, and the cast in this situation is that it doesn't feel at any point in the film like tokenism. Mm. Um, we, 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 you're not, there's, there isn't that token black guy, token black girl, token Asian, token anything in this film. Everybody is there on merit. Everybody is there for a character. And actually, race, gender, whatever, none of that matters in this film at all. And I think the, what it does well, and maybe in a few instances, is that those elements that come into it, that obviously play really well to us as an audience, just fit so well, so smoothly in the story, like in terms of the concept, like we've got these immortal warriors who have been plucked out of different points in time. So it makes sense that they come from different backgrounds and actually it actually enriches them as characters that we have, I don't know, people who are <clears throat> what something, I don't know, we're talking 3000 years BC and then someone that's come from, I don't know, the, the two of them from the Crusades and things like that. And it's like, well, yeah, of course we'd see different ethnicities kind of throughout those, those characters and throughout those conflicts. So, it makes sense. Um, and it works for us in terms of wanting there to be more representation and there to be that kind of equality and opportunity for, for actors to, to have these kind of roles. So it makes sense. Love it. And what I like, spoiler alert, the, the traitor in the ranks 
is essentially a white American. And the bad guy, the true bad guy oh. here, is the same. A white, sniveling, billionaire, detestable little wretch of a man. Can, a- we, talk okay. about, can we talk about him right now? Because this is, for <laughs> yeah. me, this, this is Harry Melling who plays Merrick. Honestly, I've, I'm struggling to keep my language in the uh, safe zone, child-friendly zone here. Because <laughs> everything about the character, performance, and mise-en-scene related to this guy made me want to turn the film off. Right? 100%. Yeah. He, right, he's a dreadful actor. Right, The performance <laughs> was poor, but I think the performance was poor... I don't know if he's a dreadful actor. I think the performance was poor based on a dreadful character who was mm. two-dimensional as you could ever get in a film like this. And every single time you see him, he's a billionaire. He's a young man wearing a suit and a freaking hoodie underneath it. We didn't <laughs> need that. It, and trainers. Mm. It was pathetic. It was it was like one of my year eight students had designed an evil character. It was so lazy. When, when the rest of the, the characters are so niche and so beautifully put together, that stood out like a sore thumb. Mm. Yeah, 100% agree. I, um, I was kind of like gritting my teeth and just thinking, yeah, okay, fair enough. It, it, this, is, this is where we're completely going um, with just the worn and trodden road of two-dimensional villain. Yeah, I, it, was, it was even in the sort of scenes where he's kind of like being menacing. I was like, why? There is, no, there is no reason. Like literally, if that was me, I'd be like, I'm running this company. I don't have the mental energy to just try and intimidate these people. I just like, just guys, can you just go and experiment on them? <laughs> I, I'm not, I, don't even, I don't even need to be here. I've got other stuff to do. He just um, wasn't and yeah, that... I agree. The, oh. the the hoodie, the hoodie formal formal jacket combo was like it, it jumped me back to the Stargate movie in the nineties, and I was like, <laughs> that was cool then because like I don't think we really had that representation of nerdy characters that you know I, they should have just called him Elon Zuckerberg and got, got it over <laughs> with. Seriously, that's what it felt like, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was so poor. Yeah. Do, that character would have fitted in perfectly in Tobey Maguire's first Spider-Man film. Yes. Right, that's, that is exactly where he belonged. He didn't belong in this, what was otherwise very naturalistic performances. Then all of a sudden this mm. Tonto villain turns up and you're just like, mm. oh. You see, my, my, my biggest gripe um, is that you've got a two-dimensional bad guy and in superhero films, I think that's a problem. Uh, and Marvel may have set a poor precedent with that because they've got typically quite bad, like poorly um, developed bad guys. They just need to fulfill a purpose. And that's what this guy felt like he was doing. He's just fulfilling the role of a bad guy. There's nothing more to him. But then on the opposite end of the scale, or, or I suppose not the scale, but um, you've got Charlize Theron, who we, we spoke about briefly earlier, my, my issue was very much the same. I felt that while she's an incredible actress, because, you know, she, she's an Oscar winner um, and she's done phenomenal work in the past, I thought that her character as well was not all that fleshed out. She was there just to serve a purpose. Yeah. And so you've got, a, 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 you know, a, a hero who's quite two-dimensional, you know, been around for a long time, had some... some some injustices and trying to help the world, but oh no, you know, I'm, I'm losing my way. Uh, what's the point anymore? It's like, I've seen that story a thousand times in, in, in yeah, heroes. Yeah, and then the other side, you've got the villain who's like, I'm, I'm a villain because of reasons. And that's all I need to do is because of reasons. It's like, mm. so for me, you've got the same problem for both the heroes and the villains. The most interesting characters are actually the, I suppose what you mm. can be the supporting characters yeah. all of the supporting and, heroes were awesome yeah absolutely. and if you if you if you take the then the two kind of i guess other villainous characters so i think both had good performances as well i'd say like chuatel edgefor's character who's kind of sort of like the mm-hmm. the link the, the the person that set things in motion i felt like 
I understand. It's all about for me. It's the it's the motivation. Do I feel like I can understand the villain or you know the the misguided villain, the anti-hero's motivation? And to a tale, as you fall, one hundred percent. If you get an Oscar winner to portray that person who's lost their loved one and feels like they maybe they could make a difference in the world and avoid that again, yeah, fantastic. That that makes sense. I could understand them, you know, maybe going down that route and then discovering that they've made a bad error. And the same with um, uh, the character character of Booker. I thought that actually he's probably one of the that was probably one of the the best motives for betrayal. The whole survivor guilt uh, surviving his children dying misunderstanding that what charlie Thrawn's character wanted wasn't just that they should all die um that was my interpretation that he he took all of her kind of glowering and you know what's the point and all that stuff to be well obviously you want a way out and i can find us a way out um and i'll do it for for all of us so those yeah you, yeah I, yeah. I did. You know, when they went away at the end and they were having that discussion, I was fully expecting them to come back and go, you know what, we understand why he did it. And <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, right. I'll tell you what, he was exiled for a hundred years and then you yeah. see it four to six months later. Oof. He's yeah. a full blown alcoholic in six months. There's no way he's surviving those hundred years. <laughs> set, up, set up nicely for a uh, sequel. A sequel. Well, let's come on to that in a minute because yeah. he. he I, Let's go into it a little bit more then, because I think we've said our piece on the characters. Great supporting cast, yeah. but the, the, the main hero and the main villain, a little bit two-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's more down to what they had to work with more than the actors themselves. Oh, the, only, the only thing, before we jump off of that, mm. I was just going to say, uh, Kiki, uh, uh, Kiki Lane's character, Niall, again as as a character that as the audience we get on board with her because she's entering this world and asking all the questions that we want to know the answers to i felt again that were I, I always feel that when that's done well that's a fantastic thing for an audience or for, yeah. a, for a reader or for for any if you're if you as are kind of journeying with a character who doesn't know what's going on and is learning and you're learning with them um and i thought personally i thought that was played well and it was a good performance from that i agree because sometimes you can get a character that asks all the questions for the audience and literally doesn't play any other part but um yeah niall kiki's character she actually was proactive in the plot and how it unfolded we've seen it many times before where there is that type of character i know there's a term for it but i can't think what that term is um and and they they play no other role other than just to ask the questions for the audience and that's really dull and boring mm-hmm. yeah i liked her character a lot great character yeah so it brings me on to possibly the most memorable fight which is something i want to talk about now what did we think about the action Bearing in mind that we now are in a day and age where we've got the the massive CGI spectacle of all those Marvel superhero films, and then we've got the beautifully choreographed fight sequences of the like of John Wick. Where does this kind of lie in all of that? I, I felt like it was very hit and miss. Some of them were really impressive, and some of them were just boring and really just not that great. I just, before we, we go any further, in terms of a genre, this is not my type of genre i don't like superhero films i don't like the marvel dc films i'm just not interested so when i, I didn't realize this was a superhero film when i first started watching it i was only about 10 minutes in i got all right here we go <laughs> <laughs> sorry um, about that no don't apologize it was good like good to experience it and i feel like this was a good kind of way into that because it didn't there was nothing oh, i was about i was about to say there's nothing in this film that's really unrealistic Apart from the fact that people can't die. Right. But, <laughs> but it felt like they lived in a world that was real. In that when I have seen these DC films or Iron Man or, you know, all these other films or whatever, it feels like that world is kind of made up and it's not the real world. This felt very, very real. And the fight scenes, though, some of them felt really good in this real world and others felt a little bit too boring. Yeah. I wanted... Yeah. You know, we, we all, all so one fight scene, you're getting a John Woo experience, and the next you're getting, I don't even know what, some... Yeah, I, 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 I would agree. I, I, for me, I don't think, I don't think there were particularly memorable fight scenes in the movie. I think they were well done. 
but not in the way that say i don't know for example the the touchstone for like a movie fight scene would be like original matrix um and say like the the, the fist fight in the in the um uh in the subway or um i don't know maybe some of the the kind of the john like we were saying john wick kind of um or or maybe thinking of something like equilibrium like kind of the gu- mm. gun fu type um type thing. Those, those things that just stick in your mind this was kind of it was it was satisfactory um right. it wasn't there there weren't things that jumped out I like the fact that they 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 fought like warriors. They had you know they they had sort of their own weapons, and it kind of made sense because like they come from different points in history. They would have had an affinity for them. The way they used their the guns felt like they were kind of a proper trained force, so to speak. Um, and the way that they kind of tactically used their immortality in their in their favor to because there was still a, a possibility, as we've seen, that they can get captured and that things can go wrong for them. But uh, it wasn't more than the sum of its parts for me in terms of the action. I, what you've said there about being the Matrix, the, the note I wrote down, pretty, I've only wrote three notes down, and one of them was, this is a cheap Matrix. <laughs> it felt like, and I have just, as we've been sitting here, put my finger on what it is. Here's what I think separates the Matrix from this, and it is cinematography. Oh. Because the choreography wasn't bad. But it was the way we were seeing that choreography that was poor. In The mm. Matrix, you've got a complete range of um, cinematography styles and you're seeing it from different angles and it's being edited really fast and you get slow motion. A bit like in uh, The Kingsman where there's that epic fight scene and you get all those bits in slow motion. It makes it so much more interesting to watch. What we were seeing in this was real time the camera was on the subject for too long. We weren't getting that that excitement that you get in the cinematography. I think that's what that was. Mm. It reminds me of when we did a review of Aladdin. And if you remember, Andy, way back then, I said that one of the biggest problems with all of the action in that is was a very similar thing. It had no real pace. It all felt very slowed down so that the camera people, um, excuse me for my, my ignorance, I forget what they're called. So the, 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 the camera people could get into place and get the shots they needed. The actors could get into place and either get the shots or take the hits that they needed, which slowed the whole thing down and therefore impacted on the energy. And I think it's a similar thing that we're seeing here. I don't know if that's because maybe the actors needed more time to rehearse because fighting, especially choreographed fighting, is not easy and a lot of the time you do that if the actors that you have can't actually fight let's take john wick as a very quick example um they just let the camera hold on keanu reeves but it didn't disrupt it in any way shape or form because he had rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and he is a very very competent martial artist and you didn't get that here it felt like that when they broke away it was probably because they couldn't do what was needed of them yeah I think part of the challenge is some of the trivia that I read about this was that uh, uh, Charlize Theron was in the States practicing all of her parts. The rest of the cast were um, over in Europe practicing their parts. And the first scene I think they filmed was the kind of the ambush in the bunker. Um, and then they had to come together and, and do that all together. Um, and so, yeah, that, it makes sense that there may, it may be harder to, to bring that together. But I think, yeah, I think it's probably more than more than purely the performers. I think you're right, Andy. It's probably more about the way that it was shot as well. I thought maybe if I was going to highlight one fight scene that actually did stick with my mind, it would probably be the fight scene on the plane between Andy and Niall. Um, That's probably the one that was maybe maybe more more interesting because of Niall and because of her kind of learning about seeing what what this all means what the immortality means and and how andy could use it because she's had thousands of years to basically uh, game it and then we see during the film and in the kind of climactic scene that niall uses it to her, her advantage she's learning how to how to to use it um, and interesting connection Mar- marwan kanzari 
played uh, Jafar in the live action um, Aladdin. He did indeed. He oh, did indeed. Oh, interesting. Um, I've just had a look at the cinematographer, a chap called Barry Aykroyd, who is really well known for his work on, um, uh, where are we, Hurt Locker. Oh, I love that film. I think is really, so he, I'm just looking here at his, um, his filmography. So he, do you guys know Ken Loach, director Ken Loach? Yep. So yeah. yeah, most recently, I, Daniel Blake, that sort of thing. Um, so he started off his career as a cinematographer for Ken Loach. So really hyper-realistic performances. Then, you know, got his kind of, I guess, his big kind of break in terms of The Hurt Locker. Mm. And then after that, Green Zone. And so you can see then that none of those films have got those real fast, mm. you know, it's, it's a long, drawn-out storytelling process than a quick, fast... So I think that, you know, would have had a lot to do with it in style. That's interesting, though, because actually I felt that the Afghanistan scenes when we were introduced to Niall were actually, I, I felt there was quite a bit of tension in those scenes for me. Um, and it would make sense if he's come from filming Green Hurt Locker and Green yeah. Zone. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. absolutely. Both of which are both of which are available on Netflix and Amazon Prime, actually, because I watched both of them recently. Great films. Fabulous <laughs> films. Fabulous, yeah. There you go. There's, a, there's a, an unofficial recommend from me for both of the <laughs> other films that we're not yet talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't really add more to, to, to what you've already said. I echo the fact that it felt a little bit stilted um, when you're making an action film like this. And you've got quite a few different action pieces in there. I thought that the two most outstanding ones were the one at the beginning. And that was because they had some relatively amusing bits and pieces. Like, for instance, one person will slide in and they'll kick someone else. And the other person will just shotgun them as they're, you know. So they were working together as a team and it felt choreographed. But I like it when it's well done. And then, again, the, um, the fight on the plane between Andy and Niall because it's more one-on-one -on -one. it was a bit quicker it was a bit more vicious i i liked that but everything else was very very forgettable the, the one for mm. me that really stood out as being quite difficult to watch just in terms of this is boring was in the church when mm. the swat-esque team raid the church and Charlize theron takes on all these people single-handedly and i was just like oh no. it had so much potential. It did. And I thought <laughs> we were there, yeah. down the Matrix. Is going in there, battle axe and guns, whole SWAT team. It's like, yes, here we go. And they even set it up to be like the pinnacle fight of the film because she takes on everybody on her own. It's like, right. wake me up when this is done. <laughs> so she goes in there with her axe. And I almost wanted, do you remember in Blade? The, the, do you remember Blade? With, uh, I love Blade. Wesley mm. Snipes, yeah. And in that, they do some really nice stuff with close-up of yep. um, people getting cut and then slow-motion blood. And I really wanted that because that axe was cool. Yes. And I wanted it to like swing across the throat and then we get a close-up of it cutting in slow-motion, close-up, and then blood spurting mm. out. I really wanted this kind of stylized drama yeah. and action, and we didn't get any of it. It was no. just all the I'm, way I'm, back I'm thinking... I'm thinking like I wanted the final fight scene from Viva Vendetta or I yes. wanted the fight scenes from Kick-Ass. Yeah. That's, that's what we really wanted. Yeah. 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 Especially when it's a, a not unknown, and but not mainstream comic book title. So they, they had the opportunity to do something really cool with it um, mm. and not have to worry about not damaging the IP, but... You know, if it's a Marvel thing, you know what you're expecting. And I didn't want to see that necessarily with this. They could have done something a bit more visually interesting. Yeah. Um, I've got a question for you guys. I, I just changed intact a little bit on this. Um, what did you guys think in terms of the concept? Because it's not an original concept um, in I terms of immortal superheroes. What were your thoughts on how they, how they approached that? So when I first heard about the concept, I was really, really worried that this was going to be a big old snooze fest because in recent memory, there was a film that was made called Lucy with Scarlett Johansson. Um, it's when she, I think she just sort of started to ride high on her Marvel fame. And I watched that and the biggest 
problem with that film was the fact that when you realized that she basically couldn't be killed or touched in any way, shape or film, uh, uh, shape or form, the film lost all jeopardy, all urgency. It's like, what's the point in watching this? I know how it's going to unfold because I know she can't be killed. And there was no surprise there. And that was really, really dull. Uh, Spoiler alert. I don't, recommend lucy but um (laughs) i thought that they managed to get around that really well i know that it kind of fell into the whole well you're only really gonna die if the plot needs you to do so but they had that element of what are they actually going to come back this time if they get killed and that kept that sense of um uh, what's that sense of jeopardy and so i actually really appreciate that i thought it was a nice touch uh, not having watched this genre of film before, I just, it, it is relative. Well, it, I've seen a few, but it was relatively new to me in that sense. And I did roll my eyes when they got up in that room after they'd been shot down and went, oh, great, here we go. But actually, I thought it was a nice, I guess, if you're into this genre, there's probably, this has been done a million times before. I, I don't know. But for someone who's not into it, I was like, okay, yeah, I can buy into this. It's a bit of fun. You know, I, I would have done more stuff with it, though. So yeah. when they were on the plane, for instance, why didn't they have this fight and then fall out of a plane? And Charlie's the one sitting there going, yep, I'm falling out of a mm-hmm. plane. Or the other one's freaking out and they hit the floor, they die and they come back to life. There's loads of things like that that I felt like they could do. There wasn't enough dying and coming back to life. It all felt a bit... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought, I did think to myself, oh no, I'm going to feel like this is really... Um, uh, overdone we've been here before because I was thinking films like Logan which I think mm-hmm. is, a, is a I need to watch that again because that is a, a standout kind of more gritty super That's superhero take Wolverine. on, on right? Wolverine yeah 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 um, and and also like Deadpool um, uh, is essentially the same the same premise but I think it saved itself from that because for me, what I what always frustrates me is people who have existed in sort of some kind of subculture who have like stratified and quantified everything into some kind of rule book. Um, and you think how, I don't know, how societies and cultures develop, how long it takes for someone to, I don't know, turn things into terms and norms and things like that and 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 i was almost expecting them to be like her nile to sort of say so tell me what's going on and they'd be like ah well you are known as a immortal one and they've got a name for everything or something <laughs> but i like the fact that they were just like well we know this and we know this and we know that this might happen um and we've been alive this long so that's pretty much what what we know um and and so i thought that that was that was quite nice and i did think there were a couple of things it may not be original, but I liked the way the way the delivery was was strong. So, for example, I can't remember the name of the character, um, but the 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 female member of the group who had who had been drowned at sea and was essentially lost drowning for five hundred years over and over again. That um, yeah, that, that I, I I sort of I was thinking that's quite chilling. The thought yeah. of that. And what that would do to you, the mentally, is yeah. Um, which again plays back into the origin story of Deadpool, um, as as per the, the movie. But I, I quite liked what they did with that. So I would say it, for me, it got over satisfactory. It didn't get towards kind of memorable, but um, <laughs> but in terms of the concept, I was quite happy with what they did. Mm. Yeah. The, the, the name of the character who got caught and drowned over and over again was called Quinn, um, played by Veronica Ngo. And whilst we're there, why don't we talk about the Quinn character? So, you know, Andy and Quinn, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, were the only two immortals work, uh, walking the earth. And then they both get captured and they you know, they try to they society tries to kill them and off them many 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 times because they are deemed to be witches and then they grab quinn put her in uh what's it an iron maiden mm-hmm. and drop her to the bottom of the ocean where she is doomed to drown over and over and over again i mean that thought is horrifying but then again funny enough before i watched this film I had the same thought. It's like, are they going to stop these immortals by like burying them in concrete or something? Because 
clearly that's the easiest thing to do. I thought I didn't really like that backstory. I didn't really see the the need for that character. Um, I think if you removed that storyline, you've still got exactly the same film. Mm. I think if, it's if you're not going to have a big twist at the end yeah. and have a sequel, right? Bait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. pure sequel bait. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just yeah. I don't know. That mm. for me felt a little bit shoehorned in. Um, I didn't didn't love that. Oh, I it, was, it was that is, Charlize Theron's just pained expression the whole way through the film. I was just like, she's not even trying. <laughs> Charlize Theron is a phenomenal actress, mm-hmm. like mm. phenomenal. And this is easily the worst performance I've seen. Whoa, 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 whoa. Have you seen Aeon Flux? Oh, no, I haven't, no. Yeah. No. So, <laughs> we, I, we won't choose it. We won't have it like that. This is, this is still better than Aeon Flux. Next week, my yeah. choice is. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, it's on no streaming platforms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, it was, it was shoehorned in. I mean, most yeah. of it was done through dialogue and a few flashbacks. Yeah. In, in literally one scene. That's how shoehorned it is. You, like you said, Eddie, you could literally cut this out. But, you know, it's sequel bait. But saying that, I did like the bit where they went back and explored, you know, the way they knew how they could eventually die. There was that mm. guy who died a thousand years ago or whatever. And uh, that I did quite like because it kind of explained mm. that whole, they're immortal to a mm. point, And that was quite interesting. Mm. That gave us some jeopardy. And I did, I did feel like actually, as we entered in the final phase, that the fact that Andy could well die if she had another, you know, another injury, another um, gunshot in her direction, that actually um, then it became a mission to say, well, we need her here, but also we need to protect her. Um, yeah, and, she loses and her, I, I her felt her like that was, you know, yeah. I, yeah. I, I did, I did think maybe they, I thought maybe they pulled a bit of a punch in the sense that maybe they should have, killed off one of the the two um uh, the two guys that had been captured yeah but they they got oh, off very easy no, in the thought, end let's be honest i thought they should have killed off um charlie's theron so mm. that's the point we're kind of we're being teased is she gonna die isn't she gonna die is she gonna die isn't she gonna die just kill her because in that last scene where she runs in and there's that big battle in the penthouse i'm sitting there going why is she going through the door why aren't they like tying her to something mm. and saying, back off lady, you're going to die if you go in there. That's <laughs> far too dangerous. And then she didn't die. I was like, get out. All those bullets coming her way and yeah. she didn't die, mother. None of that. None yeah. of that. And you know, this but is they it. did if, deliver. If... Sorry, Sam, go for it. I was, just, I was going to say, they did deliver on having a giant plate glass window at the top of the skyscraper and someone jumping through <laughs> it. That, you know, that had to happen. And I, uh, I didn't think they were going to do it either. <laughs> I thought they, I, for a long, because the, the car, the window gets smashed or something. And then for ages, there was just this big open window. I'm like, they're not going to send anyone through it. And they did. That was brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Thank you. You have delivered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no problem. If you're going to set it up, knock it down. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. And yeah, to go back to the, the like the final sequence when Andy has lost her immortality, it's like there was a really cool bit where they were kind of like shielding her from gunfire and, and what have you. But honestly, I wanted a little bit more of that because speaking about using their immortality for some really cool stuff, that would have been a great opportunity. It's like everybody's trying to kill Andy and then you've got these immortals who are like constantly circling around, killing bad guys, getting shot, flying all over the place. It's mm-hmm. like you could have like a bazooka coming on in and yeah. one of them jumps in the way, takes the explosion. There was so much potential, but all it was was a little bit of a skirmish, yeah. uh, a couple of gunshots. Some of them got some bullet holes and I think Andy got mm. shot like a little bit i don't know for what was for what was essentially the climax of the film it was really slow paced yeah. it, didn't, it just didn't mm. interestingly though i've been in that building that where that that was shot one of my friends from the states has an office in that building and oh so nice i've been it, in it's just it's just an office block yeah nice i mean it's super posh office yeah block. yeah so i there was it's difficult when you have you feel like you're really nitpicking but there was one part of that final that final kind of set piece that just completely took me out of the film because it was so poorly done and that was when 
they we'd had the final bit the jumping out the window the, the villain's dead every everyone's exited you know they're exiting and they're getting in a car and they're they're leaving there are no people on the street there is no one <laughs> oh, i don't yeah. know what time it is there's daylight so at least if it's some in the summer yeah. at least it's what? kind of like six six a.m there's no one there and then suddenly yeah. everyone appears and, and it's like all yeah. come out of costa with their coffees and oh was there a gun fight <laughs> oh, what's going on? Uh, me, me and my wife were just sat there going what what yeah, <laughs> what earth is going on? It doesn't make any, and and also it was a real a real missed opportunity for some really good comedy as well because you could have had either a drunk student or some business person walk past, body hits the car, they go to ask them if they help, and she just gets up and walks away. Yeah. You know, bemused, confused look. We all laugh. Um, but no, no, we just had this really weird thing where there's no one there and then they all turn up just after everything's happened. Did yeah. not understand that at all. Yeah. No, I, th- I think you're absolutely spot on there. But the problem with that, of course, is that they didn't really set um, any, much, any. They didn't really set any humour up throughout the film. I think if it had a slight injection of humour here and there, not like, say, Deadpool, not to that extent or, or even close to it. But, you know, if you're a thousand two thousand years old and you can't die surely you're either going to mentally crack or look at the bright side of life um otherwise you just go absolutely flipping insane won't you and so humor would be part of your living hmm. so it'd be like hey you know my hand got blown yeah off. Oh, don't worry about it it'll be back soon kind of thing and, and i did think one thing i thought actually that stood out to me in terms of kind of i don't know just logically how things would work is the way that the characters, the immortals, talk to each other in that they've known each other for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And they almost just talked completely openly. Because I imagine if you've known someone for a thousand years, there probably aren't many secrets. You probably know a lot about each other. Mm. And so it, it was very much like they just kind of talked about, oh, he's, he's feeling guilty because all of his children died. Um, and, and she's feeling guilty because of this and, and those two did that. And, and, it's, and, and it was almost, Niall was kind of sat there going, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, and I, that, that, that did kind of work for me. Um, it's to your point though, on kind of the, you know, them being sort of world weary and, and you know, the, the kind of whole plot arc of coming to the end. I, I did not like the kind of the ending where it was that classic, um, we're going to set a scene for now going forwards. You know, we were these people, but now I don't know if you've noticed, we've now become these people. And <laughs> you, Mr. Chutrived for character, you're going to be the Morgan Freeman Batman character for us now. Um, and you do this job. And that felt very contrived yes. um, uh, to me. I, I, I just, yeah, I was uh, a bit awkward with that. What I can only hope for is and it's it's worked really well in the past is that the second part of whether this is a you know a trilogy or whatever because i think they are they're awaiting for for part 2 to be uh, greenlit but maybe the second part now that they've got the world building and the character building out of the way will be the best and i'm thinking of spider-man 2 to sam raimi's spider-man i'm thinking x-men 2 to the original 2000 and 2001 x-men um so in 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 a lot of cases once everything has been set up the second part is usually the stronger part and that's what i'm hoping for here wow <clears throat> I shan't. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 I would probably say I wouldn't say I'm looking forward to that, but I would say that I'm interested. Um, mm. I, I, I was ready to kind of fully check out, but I did kind of like the. I don't think it was a post credits, but kind of the final cliffhanger. I thought, okay, so they could do they could do something interesting here, um, uh, and and I think. The, again, the, the 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 logic of the plot in terms of the idea that um, Charlize Theron feels bad because she's I don't know lost her way, and then I I think Niall kind of says, "Oh, look at all this, you know, um, all these things that you've done that have led to positive impacts, and you know, it all has a purpose." I did think to myself, well, "That doesn't make sense because not every time you kill someone bad." 
does it mean that 10 good people survive? Sometimes you might kill someone bad and nothing happens. Or, or actually worse comes in their place. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or take, for example, the, the supposed person that didn't shoot Hitler in World War I. Um, so you could not kill someone and then millions of people die. Um, so that kind of logic, I was like, nah, doesn't really add up, <laughs> to be honest. I, I would still be like, nah, I'm going to be depressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. And it's, yeah, I, I think it's, it's the limitations of the storytelling, isn't it? I think one of the problems of the film is it's not really sure what it's focusing on because the action, are you focusing on that? If so, it needs to be done better. Storytelling, if you're focusing on that, you need to flesh your characters out a lot better before you can tell that story. Um, I think, unfortunately what it's got its eye set on is part two and so it's its main focus was we need to set this universe this world up so that we can get a sequel and i think you felt it in the film and that was i think personally I think that was his biggest problem that is a really poor way to make a film isn't it i'm going to make a film and rely on the second one to be better but we've seen it before though haven't we <laughs> i know Many we times. Have, it's yeah poor like way to work oh absolutely mm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm thinking uh, Tom Cruise and the mummy trying to set up the uh, universal dark universe. It's like, well, that didn't happen, did it? Um, it, it happens all the time. Can we say right now it's... that we'll never ever pick that film to review. <laughs> if it ever comes on streaming platform, because I've got it on DVD, I'm picking it. Please don't. Oh, my God. Please. I think the the problem comes when people look at say the success of say the Marvel Cinematic Universe and they don't they forget that it happened organically. It didn't happen by I know that there's a big schedule now and all that sort of thing and this whole thing's mapped out and interwoven, but no one I would I I would I would guarantee you that when they made Iron Man they were just trying to make a good movie, um, yep. and and they would thought probably maybe maybe this could happen. Um, because we have all of the the, uh, the material and things behind it, so I, I think it's often quite sad when you see films that were clearly made with a franchise in mind, um, and it's just not going to happen. Or you know, in this case, it probably it probably could, and 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 maybe it should. Um, well, because there's certainly worse films. Yeah. According to Netflix, it broke netflix's own records whatever they might be because they're all they're still a bit cagey about their numbers but in terms of like the most viewed or the fastest viewed uh film on its streaming platform this did break records and so i think number two is almost inevitable um but yeah you're absolutely right with with iron man if iron man had flopped there would be no mcu because they hadn't planned that far ahead they were like we'll give iron man a go because they gave it to at the time what was an up-and-coming director if you can believe it in john favreau i mean he's well established now but oh, he was an up and oh. he was an up-and-coming director Just in the day about john favreau he's got a program on netflix i can't think what it's called so you know he did that film i want to say it's called chef or something like that yeah i've seen it it's a beautiful film um, and I've, I've seen the TV series as well. Wonderful TV series. He goes to all the different restaurants. Yep. I love it. Oh my God, I fell in love with John Favreau watching that. He's amazing. That's <laughs> my God. Actually, funnily enough, well, as, as we're like super quickly on John Favreau, I was watching Deep Impact yesterday. He's wow. one of the astronauts. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah. And, and get this, Andy. He is the uh, kind of key, I think the, one of the main directors of The Mandalorian. So yes. more yes, fuel to the fire for you to watch The Mandalorian. Oh, yes, mate. Can I just yes, eat mate. one of his steaks instead? <laughs> eat just... one of his steaks. <laughs> There's an innuendo if you ever needed one. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's let's get back to the old guard quick. Um, I'm, I'm guessing because we're talking about Favreau now that we, we... Does anybody have anything else that they would like to add about this film? Only one, only one thing, and it's getting unfortunately it's going to be another critique. But the music, the use of original songs, yeah. you can probably already tell by the way I'm speaking about it. Do you even remember I what those songs were? Yeah, I, I don't. That's the problem. Yeah, me and my wife were talking about this and just saying that it was there was some really on the nose kind of. I can't even remember the the lyrics, but it was almost like. Someone's dying, and the song says, "I am dying," or you know, people getting shot, and it's like gunshots, or like, stuff like that. But it was, it was, it, they used a kind of a, 
I don't know, just very, for me, for my personal taste, very bland current pop music. Mm. And as soon as we, we kind of mentioned it, we said this film will not age. And so in context, season of Umbrella Academy, and one of the great things about that, that TV series is the use of music throughout. And maybe you take like a Tarantino and the, and the, the songs that he uses in his films, just timeless classics used in a certain way. This film, if you watch it back in, I don't know, three or four years time, even less than that, it will feel yeah. dated because of the music choices. That's yeah. the only thing, yeah. I think you make a good point there because I don't remember a single track or even any of the music that was composed for this. I mean, does it have an original soundtrack? Yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't comment at all. Wouldn't have a clue. No. Because <laughs> we is, really, we really, yeah, we really like to research the films that we're doing here. Um, <laughs> but to be fair, if you can't remember it and it's not going to stay lodged in your brain, it's not done its job. That's a big problem. I know they're totally different genres. Yeah. Hobby, if you took if, the soundtrack from a marriage story, yes, right, mm. that for me was a gorgeous soundtrack, and that really stood out. And whilst I was watching the film, I was listening to the soundtrack and I was engaged with the soundtrack. I don't remember the soundtrack. For me, it was all mm. non diegetic just throw away whatever. Yeah. I don't remember. And if we take our um, recently A Quiet Place, no soundtrack. <laughs> and they did a lot more that with that than than, yeah. than in this movie. They did a lot more with silence than what this film did with sound. Um, I I've kind of almost come to the end of what I'd like to say about this, but before I completely finish, one of the things I do want to mention, and again, harking back to how eclectic a cast this is, and what fantastic representation is up on the screen for 2020, and and I applaud this film for doing it is the director. Now, correct me if I'm wrong for those of you who are listening, but Gina Price uh, Bythewood, is, this is Netflix's version of a summer Hollywood blockbuster. It's like one of their biggest productions. They've thrown loads of marketing behind it. And I think uh, it is the first big summer blockbuster to be directed by a black woman, which in 2020 is A, disgraceful, but B, bloody well done. Because for that to be an achievement on its own is awesome for Netflix to do that. And I think this is one of the things, Netflix are really, really good at giving directors and writers an opportunity where mainstream Hollywood might not. Isn't it depressing that we even have to have this conversation? Yeah. Mm. I, uh, we, yeah. Watch, oh, I watched um, Black Klansman last night. Have you seen that? I have, yeah. Brilliant that. film. Yeah. Loved it. A bit spikely at the end of that I film. Watched it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, fabulous. Right oh, man. You, you Get out of this podcast. Go and watch that now. Yeah, it's on Netflix. <laughs> That's worth watching. But there's um, a bit at the end where Spike Lee puts in loads of the Black Lives Matter footage. Mm. And what's really interesting is that kind of this film was set in the 70s and we're in the 2020s and nothing has changed. And it's, it's depressing, actually, that we even yeah. have to have this conversation. It, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter mm. quite a lot and I'm talking to people and I just, it amazes me how backwards so many people in this mm. world why are we having this conversation? I know why we're having this conversation, but we shouldn't be ha have to have this conversation. I about agree entirely. Yeah. Directing a film. We should just be going, so she's a director. And that's an insignificant mm. thing. It, it annoys me that we have, you know, not that we have to have this conversation, but that this conversation even exists. Agreed entirely. Well, I, I'm, kind of a, I'm kind of glad that Damien, you had to bring it to my attention mm. because in that, in that, I'm glad that you had to, because I wouldn't have known. Mm. And because, and, and also, yeah, like you say, it's, it's a mainstream blockbuster, for want of a better word, action movie. Um, fantastic that a black female director gets to, to work on that and showcase what they can do, um, as opposed to, oh, I guess you'll have to do something about equality or slavery or something like that. You know, it's like, no, just do, do a film. Yeah. Do what you what you want. Yeah. And and to be fair, I, I only found that out when I was researching it. Um, 
and and it horrified me to kind of go back to to what Andy was saying. It's like in 2020, it should not be an achievement for you to be a black female director. That should be the norm, you know, along with all the other types of directors that are out there. This shouldn't be a conversation. Just like having two very overtly gay um, characters should not be a part of the discourse and conversation when it comes to discussing film. The, the argument I come across on Twitter quite a lot is that people say you, you should employ the best person for the job, no matter regardless of what their race or gender or this, that and the other is. And don't get me wrong, you know, this film has its flaws and this, that and the other, but she has achieved something that any white man could achieve. Oh, I've seen yeah. far worse from white men flipping right. it. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think that is this it's film, one of those... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, this film proves that being white and male doesn't make you elite. Mm. And I think people that say that, people that say, oh, well, you should, you should hire the best person, that is someone that, you know, without being super woke, so that is someone saying that that does not understand their privilege at right. all. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. They don't understand... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad I brought it up. Um, but at the same time, it's all politics uh, yeah. when we discuss film. Although, to be fair, please do not take that as me trying to shut the conversation down. All I'm saying is I have nothing more to add because I completely agree with you. This with should you. not be a conversation and it's disgusting that it is. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Right. So shall we uh, come to uh, final thoughts and recommends or not then really yeah let's do it awesome uh, uh, i forgot how we uh, you go last <laughs> I, forgot, I, forgot, I go last okay cool <laughs> so what i'm doing is if we go around go for it so we'll go Andy okay. sam and then finish with myself cool so um i'm not gonna recommend this film. <laughs> <laughs> um for someone who is doesn't buy into the action world this is a really it's a nice kind of way to get into it but I just didn't really enjoy it. I found myself eye-rolling several times. I found myself checking my phone, looking at other stuff. It didn't grip me. I felt like there's some, there are some really positive things about this film. And, you know, if you really are bored and you've got nothing better to do, chuck it on. But if this is your one film for the week, there are better things out there. Um, and so, unfortunately, I'm not going to be recommending this film. And I feel a bit guilty how we were just talking about how how much of an achievement it was for this for this you know director, but actually, I just don't think it was good enough. Sam, take it away. I I'm going to go with um, a similar similar approach. So for for someone who for someone who does enjoy this genre, um, I thought there was some some really interesting things that they did. I thought some of the the cast uh, mainly the supporting characters were well-written characters and were really well performed um but that said i think there were too many flaws and and missteps some like i've said some things that just really took me out of the um the premise of the of the movie um and and elements that were were not more than some of its parts i would say it's funny i'm almost going to say exactly the same thing as andy said if you've got two films to watch this week maybe watch this one second um but if you've only got one it's kind of like a seven out of ten type film for me i wouldn't um i wouldn't uh sorry my wife's just shouting from the other room it's not even a seven um, so, yeah. <laughs> well, um imdb's got it maybe a, maybe, maybe, maybe a six maybe a six point five if uh, a a generous, a generous seven if you really like superhero action movies. Um, but it's not going to be a recommendation for me. So I think uh, for myself, one of the biggest testaments to this film is the fact that I tried to get my wife to watch it. So I, for those of you who listen, I know that um, I, I watch things multiple times to get prepared for these podcasts, whether I enjoy the film or not. And one of the sittings is like, well, you know, it's a superhero thing. It's an action thing. Both me and my wife are into those types of genres. And um, I think that it'd be really good for her to watch. So she sat down, she watched it um, for about 20 to 30 minutes. And then she went upstairs and she led down to, to go to sleep because she was tired. And I think that kind of says a lot about it because 
you know, is it going to hold your attention? I don't know. And this is its biggest problem. Um, however, I am going to recommend it. And, and here's why. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know I've, I've just slayed it off, but I, I recommend it for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, is the action good? It has some good bits, but it's not a good action film. Is it a good storytelling? I mean, the mythology is pretty cool, but they don't explain it very well and they don't go into any depth. Do they build the characters? Only the supporting characters, and even then, not as much as what you would in other films. But I want to liken this to the likes of something like, and bear with me, GTA V. Is, Grand, uh, is GTA V a good shooter? No. Is it a good story? No. Is it a good driving game? No. Is it a good this? No. But you can do all of those things in that game. And this for me is the same. It's not an amazing or outstanding action film. It's not an amazing or outstanding um, superhero film. And it doesn't really do much with regards to the characters and the plots and the world building. But for me, it does just enough that if I'm tired and I want to throw on something that I don't have to think too much about, but it's got an interesting premise, this is the film for me. And so I'm going to recommend it and say, yeah, throw it on. You're going to have, an, you're going to have a good time. It's a good, it's a good time, but it's not an amazing time. So next time uh, Damien says, uh, would you want to come over for a good time? <laughs> You know to avoid it. <laughs> yeah, you know we're going to have having some bland rice crackers. Um, they could be worse. Or, yeah. I'm going to crack out the Rivita. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, for me, I I enjoyed enough of it to if someone was like, "Is it worth watching?" Given that it's one of the biggest films on Netflix, I'm like, "Yeah, go for it. It's actually enjoyable. It's not amazing, but it is enjoyable." I think I would pick Extraction over this seven days a week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm just because, you know, and we've, we've done Extraction already, but I think that was a far superior film to this. I would agree in that sense. Mm-hmm. Although, believe it or not, in Extraction, extraction far less story. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not always a bad thing. Yeah. No, true, true, true. <laughs> Okay, so there you go. We've got two not recommends and one very dubious looking recommend. Um, so, <laughs> Andy. Anyone want to guess which way Matt would have gone if he'd been on tonight? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Oh, we can oh. ask him. Mm, uh, I, reckon gonna, he, gonna, I reckon he'd gone non recommend, honestly. I, don't I think reckon he would have said, you know, after all my art house, I just was craving <laughs> some mindless action and this just did it for me. Yeah, it's, I'm going like... to say Matt, definitely he's going to recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need it as well because my camp's looking a little bit, uh, little bit plain at the moment with one recommend here. Oh, uh, for those of you who don't know, Matt is uh, very, very happily um, celebrating his wedding anniversary. So he couldn't be with us this evening. Absolutely. So, you know, congratulations and well done to Matt. Celebrate with karaoke. That is mm. the I dream. know. Living the I'm dream, especially in isolation. Karaoke. I've been karaoke in ages. Well, I, <laughs> I did see on Facebook earlier him and his wife wearing their Millwall shirts. So I think yes. there, might, there might also be some, some footy in the, uh, there is in the some mix football as well. As well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, karaoke and football. <laughs> He's living the dream. <laughs> Right, oh, so brilliant. if you are interested, uh, get onto us on Facebook, get onto us on YouTube, get onto us on Instagram, Parents on Pictures Podcast. You can find us on all of them. Uh, lots of updates and just random posts and a few memes here and there as well, and a few other things we recommend. But also, you can catch up and get links to um, to the podcast where you can download it, and also. Um, let us know what you think of the podcast. We need, we love feedback. We love people telling us how rubbish we are at our jobs. It's wonderful. But if you've got anything positive to say, we'd love to hear that too. Um, and also if there's any films you're like, Oh, I'd love to hear what you guys have to think about this. Let us know. Cause we're always after recommendations. I got someone I know commented on a post that I did of our 21 bridges um, episode saying, Oh, I love this movie. It's so good. I can't wait to watch it. Again. I saw I that like, post. Right. <laughs> You want to listen to the podcast? Let's <laughs> <then, then> <laughs> chat. 
he hasn't come back to me yet so uh, we'll see oh man <laughs> oh sam's falling out with his friends over the podcast sorry dude <laughs> yeah i saw that I, I saw that post on facebook i was like oh and didn't they say that they were going to mm-hmm. listen to it at work the following day yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wow. Uh, I'll, I'll get in touch with them and see, see if that's it. See if that's Bridges Burnt. <laughs> hey, uh, how to make friends and yeah. Twenty-one Bridges yeah. Burnt. Um, <laughs> and if you, if you like me, listen to a absolute ton of podcasts um then you can find us on anchor which is where we uh well it's where we host but you can also find us on spotify and itunes which means that with those two platforms as well you can pretty much find us on whatever application is that you use to download and listen to your podcasts i'm not sponsored by them but i recommend podcast addict uh because i've been using it for years and it is awesome now on podcast addict i love the um the little jingle that Podcast addict. It's <laughs> brilliant, isn't it? It's absolutely awesome. Um, like ASMR advert. Yeah, <laughs> ASMR. I absolutely love it. It's brilliant. Gentlemen, this has been an absolute pleasure this evening, absolutely. even if the film has not. Um, everybody say bye-bye now. Bye. 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 bye.